Hey, it's Peter here with MyFSHD. Oh, here we are in mid-December, and you know, I can only do the podcast when I'm really feeling it, and when I got time. You know, we're, we're an all-volunteer operation, you know, this this ain't the paid podcast. So, uh, yeah, it's been a busy month, you know, not been a whole lot going on out there, um, publicly, I should say. It's always interesting. I've always said when it's quiet, there's a lot going on. I guarantee you, well, it's that way when it comes to companies, I'll tell you that. Um but, you know, I am getting some questions. There's been some uh, interesting stuff in the news. So today we're going to talk about the CRISPR gene therapy approval that was in the news um, back in uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, not for FSHD, it's for sickle cell disease, but how it applies to FSHD and actually to, you know, I, and I know you guys all get excited every time you see something and um, make sure everyone understands what exactly is going on. Um, also some about DNA methylation. I'm getting, I got something got this huge influx of, uh, of questions about, uh, methylation genes. And I thought, man, something must be going on. Someone's selling something uh, because it's more than normal. It's not just your typical, Hey, should I pound folate type of thing? You know, and of course, and then, you know, and I'm continuing, uh, to do my zoom meetings and talking to everybody all around the world. Um, hey, Kayla, thanks again for inviting me to talk to the New Zealand uh, FSHD group. That was fantastic. Had a good time. Um, good group and followed up with some people. You know, so, uh, you know, it lets me know kind of what, uh, try to try to get the pulse of the field, see what you guys are interested in beyond me just yapping. So um, that's what we're going to be talking about. And then, you know, I keep promising you the pig podcast. And, you know, the thing about that, it's a huge project, hugely expensive, hugely important. Just wanted to make sure that I have everything. You know, it's finally coming into picture, man. Actually, the one of the reasons I haven't been on the podcast is, man, there's been piles of pig work. But, man, it is it is looking good. Oh, my goodness, looking good. And we finally got the funding straightened out. And so the uh, the last one of the new year or the old year um, that I'll do next week will be the uh, the pig podcast finally. I'm waiting on let you know all about that because that is just a super exciting project. These pigs are not just going to help with therapy, but they're also going to help you get your muscles back. You'll see. Anyway, but today is going to be about CRISPR, um, gene therapy, and then methylation. Uh, not not the same old methylation we always talk about, a little bit different, you know, so stick with it. Uh, and that'll be after the musical interlude. And, and today I got a great one. I got to tell you, you know, well, first off, let me just say to all my um, Jewish friends out there, had a belated happy Hanukkah. I hope you all had a great holiday. Um you know, in these uh, you know, difficult times, but, you know, it's an important job getting done over there in Israel. Um, but, yeah, whether you're for it or against it, whatever. Happy Hanukkah, and I uh, and, uh, hope, you know, your families are all doing well. And uh, for my Christian friends out there, uh, Merry Christmas in the next couple of days. Um, I was raised Christian, although I don't really ascribe to any religion just right now. Um, and then for everyone else, you know, hey, you know, happy winter. Yeah, my, my first wife always celebrated the solstice. Um, actually, my second wife, too. She was, yeah, I don't know, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, and my third wife. Well, I, I guess we're just kind of like, we're just, we're, we celebrate every day that you're alive, quite honestly. Um, but for those of you who need last-minute gifts or make up for crappy gifts you gave on Hanukkah, um, we do have a, I do have Peter's list on gifts, okay? Well, just a couple of things. First off, I got to tell you, um, three books. And these are all FSHD relevant. I'm telling you, there's FSHD relevant reading list, okay? And hey, give yourself a gift, a favor, you know, do yourself a favor. First book, you know it. It is CRISPR Evolution by Carice Jones. That is our CRISPR goddess. 
uh, who a legitimate CRISPR scientist, and I'm telling you, her CRISPR therapy will be coming for FSHD to a clinic near you in the next uh, next little while. Um, but we're not talking about that. The book is more of a sci-fi, and I'm telling you, it uh, it is getting uh, absolutely uh, rave reviews. I mean, real legit reviews. And, and I, you know, we've all learned a lot about, um, you know, it's good whether it's art or writing or music or whatever, you know, your primary source of people that give you praise are family, friends and family, right? Well, actually, you know, Carice's book is actually getting legit, really amazing reviews. I'm just going to read a couple to you. Here's Book Life Reviews Editor's Pick, which is actually a remarkably prestigious thing. This is a gripping and accomplished debut novel. Jones spins this heady story in smart, engaging prose. It's a thriller, but anchored in the literary wing of science fiction, driven by character, given to colloquies, and often evocative. This superb science fiction novel is rousing, moving, and rewarding. That's Book Life Reviews. That's a legit thing. She actually is placing first and second in these national, international complex um, contests. Uh, here's a... Uh, uh, reader views, sci-fi that promises to reshape its genre, a heart-in-your-throat page-turner. It conveys the spinning sense of a feature that outstrips a single existence and feels synchronously optimistic, poignant, and even celebratory. An explosive panorama of what makes up our genetic formation, richly imagined characters, settings. The author is strong on atmosphere, illuminating vast tracts of imagery, and her uniquely supple and powerful style is even more clear-cut, wildly original and intelligently drawn. Okay, that's uh, Carice's book, CRISPR Evolution. Let me tell you something. Her science, her CRISPR inhibition, her real-life science for FSHD, even better than that. And it's pretty hard to beat that, but very similar. Wildly original and intelligently drawn. Yeah, we can put that on our CRISPR inhibition program. I'll say our program for that one. But anyway, so check out CRISPR Evolution on Amazon.com. Or you can go to uh, Carice Books, CreaseJonesBooks.com. Okay, that's C-H-A-R-I-S-J-O-N-E-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And you can read all about it, get your book. Um, you know, Kindle, whatever. Um, the other one, you may not know it, Jan and Jill. Okay, which one are you? Tales from the Heartland to Hollywood. I got myself a copy of this, a signed copy. These are, um, well, they were the Bunker twins back in the day, but it's um, Jan Bunker and Jill Jacks, a uh, pair of identical twins, which you may not know. They're FSHDers, okay? And they're differentially affected um, by more than 20 years, and they have different methylation. Okay, we, they participated in our study. They're great friends of our lab, and they put together, you know, they spent um, their entire, oh, actually, from, from their teens until even now um, in Hollywood and in, in the spotlight as entertainers. They're actually two of the most amazing people you'll ever meet. Uh, just super nice. I'm working, still doing community work and everything in L.A. Uh, but they came out of Kansas. Um, they were the original Budweiser twins back in God, but they weren't even drinking age. There's some interesting stories in this book. It's actually really well written. Um, the way it's written is a conversation and a fantastic book. Which one are you? Go to janandjilltales.com. You can even contact them through that site and get a signed copy. And, uh, and, you know, yeah, it's just an interesting book out there. You know, it's not science. It's not doesn't FSHG, nothing about it. doesn't need to be. But you know what? It's an interesting couple of identical twins with FSHD. Um, fantastic. And, and like I said, just absolutely just fantastic people and wonderful entertainers. Um, third book I'm going to give you is uh, it's um, called From Slavery to Freedom, Escaping Affliction Forever. Okay. Um, this is from a friend of mine, Praise 
Opemi Anthony. You can find this on uh, Amazon.com or all over Facebook. And you probably you may have actually seen this. This is a guy in Nigeria. He actually came to, I, I contacted with him or he contacted with me through Facebook. You know, this dude in Nigeria says, hey, I got a muscular dystrophy. Can you help me out? And we sent some of our, our MyFSHD saliva kits um, to, and, and, you know, tested his entire family. Um, we found out they don't have FSHD. You know, but he's been writing these books. He's in a wheelchair, and he, he makes a living writing a book. Um, this is the second in the series. Um, this first one was called Biological Prisoner. And, you know, it's about his life in Nigeria um, with a rare disease. And maybe you guys can relate to that part of it, except let me tell you, man, you think you got it bad? Let me tell you, they got witches, witchcraft over there, similar to our friends in Kenya telling us that people are told they're cursed and that's the source of their disease. And the way the charlatans and the shamans, not much difference there, um, uh, deal with things, getting scammed, getting conned, and just trying to get uh, get through life. And uh, anyway, the reason that he's got this second book with this story, it's called Finally Got Diagnosed. Um, we actually uh, sequenced uh, much of his genome in, in our lab, and we were able to find um, two pathogenic variants in, in uh, sarcoglycan uh, gene, and uh, he has a sarcoglycanopathy, which is, is a LGMD, um, one of the rare forms of that. And so it turns out that, uh, you know, we were able to um, let him know. Again, we do a research test. Honestly, in Nigeria, they don't care that we're a research lab. But we, we do, you know, known pathogenic variants to, um, that were, and we could track it through the family, from one from mom, one from dad. So, you know, homozygous, as you might expect with uh, uh, autosomal recessive disease, it off tracks, and it fits the phenotype. So we were able to help them out. Hey, Facebook actually did something good. And, you know, the only Facebook group I actually recommend to anybody is the one run by Tamara Gottlieb. You know, check it out. If you're not on there yet, you want to look it up. Um, FSHD, Nutrition, Supplements, and Peer Support by Tamara Gottlieb. Um, you know, that's the only, honestly, it's the only Facebook group that I recommend to anybody. I'm not saying their others are bad, but that's the only one I recommend. Um, just cause I know Tamara's not selling anything, you know, and, uh, she's not shaking it down for money. She's just preparing her, her group of people, which has become quite a great group are, um, really just trying to help people. It's a really fantastic group. So check them out. If you got time over the holidays, you know, regardless of your religious affiliation, there's a lot of people on break right now at the end of the year. Heck, you know, I, I contacted my, my friend T. Say, hey, in Vietnam, what do you guys do? What do you guys do in Vietnam? Well, oddly enough, she she sent me a picture of um, her um, group having a holiday party. So they do have a Christmas party over there and a Christmas decorating competition. But it's not much of a holiday in Vietnam. But everyone gets New Year's Day off. Pretty much it seems to be no matter where you are. So everybody's got some holiday. So those are my books. We're going to go CRISPR Evolution by Carice Jones. Which One Are You by Jan and Jill. And uh, um, then uh, From Slavery to Freedom, Escaping Affliction Forever by my friend, uh, um, Praise, uh, Opemi Anthony in Nigeria. Check them out. You know, price of a cup of coffee for just about each one of them. Unfortunately, that's how much coffee costs nowadays. All right, so that's kind of um, the Christmas list. I got them all. I got. I can't wait. Actually, you know, I'm, I'm working my way through which one are you still. And I, all right, little, little heads up. Um, Chapter two, or book two of uh, the follow-up to CRISPR Evolution will be coming out this spring. So you want to get this first one, catch up on the story. All right, so on to the science. Okay, so let's talk about the CRISPR in the news, okay? And what's been the news about CRISPR? Well, CRISPR in the clinic. 
Okay, that's actually what's in the news, right? A lot of people got very excited, including ourselves, when uh, we saw that uh, in the middle of November, the UK gave approval to the Vertex Pharmaceuticals drug, um, Casjevi, um, in the UK. And then uh, in the early December, FDA gave approval for this um, for use in the USA. This is a gene therapy. It is um, a CRISPR-based gene therapy. And you guys all remember all of that. But I'll go over it again. Okay. What is CRISPR and how is this different? And so it's good news. You know, we always talk about wins and other diseases and other technologies are wins for FSHD. And the big picture of getting a CRISPR drug to clinic, this is absolutely amazing. Okay. Now let's remember, you know, CRISPR, people just make sure everyone understands what this is. Okay. 2012, okay, was really the first time um, that uh, genome editing in the mammalian cells and using CRISPR in vitro in mammalian cells to edit them. That's the first time it was done. This was Emmanuel Charpentier and Jennifer Dudna. They won the 2020 Nobel Prize for this work. Okay, but that was 2012, 11 years ago. Okay, first time, you know, what they really did, their, the Nobel winning, you know, work essentially was to take this uh, bacterial... Uh, immune system and harness the power of the system and 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 to you know program it to uh, target the sequence a sequence of choice. So in bacteria, what this um, system does, the CRISPR system, you know, it basically provides genome integrity. It gets rid of um, invasive sequences. It try, you know, it's a it's kind of an immune system for bacteria. They get it. You know, bacteria also get infected with viruses and things. Or, and and so this is a bacterial immune system, and, and it, it gets programmed by the invading DNA to destroy the invading DNA. What's going? So what uh, Charpentier and, and Dudna did is they they basically engineered this, uh, took the various components, put them together, and um, you know realized this you know by using a very specific guide RNA. Um, that's the homing system or this that provides the sequence specificity. You could target any sequence you want. Bacteria just naturally through evolution, you know, they target, they have a system to choose the guides to target invasive sequences. Um, but you can put any guide you want. That's what they figured out. And, um, then we're able to show that you could then target the CRISPR system to any cells. Okay. So I keep mentioning the bacterial immune system. No, this is actually CRISPR was discovered in 1993 in Alicante, Spain, okay, in the marshes, okay, in bacteria. So it's been around since 1993. You know, it took uh, really till, I don't know, what was that, 20 years to realize that it could be, manip you know, harnessed and manipulated for, for um, uh, bioengineering. But, you know, basic research leads leading to now a drug, right? Another twenty, so it's thirty years. It's basically thirty years from discovery to uh, um, um, practical use. You know, which you know brings us to you know how important um, basic research is. And so, uh, you know, fun. You know, a lot of what we use in uh, the clinic, you know, the, the the principles guiding this comes from you know very basic reason. What do I mean by basic research? Just studying things for the sake of studying, increasing knowledge. Um, about a particular topic. You never know what it's going to be used for, right? We understand cancer and cell cycle because of work that was done in yeast. Um, it's just amazing. We understand about antisense, all these antisense trials that we're doing, these, you know, avidity, dyne, myrocule. That's all work that came out of C. elegans. That's a 
you know, 980 some odd cell nematode, little worm. Okay, so you just never know where these basic discoveries are going to lead. It's just hard to say because you don't know what these technology breakthroughs are going to be. The real breakthroughs, not the ones that they use to shake you down for money, but the real breakthroughs are, you know, what, what's what's next? You just never know. And let me tell you, there's some cool stuff out there that I'm, I'm privy to, you know, technology-wise. You know, and, you know, some of this is going to come from muscle building. Some of it's going to come from new deliveries for gene therapy. So there's a lot of new technology. But today we're going to talk about CRISPR. We just want to make sure everybody's on the same page on what... We talk about CRISPR, okay? So essentially what CRISPR is, it is a genome um, targeting mechanism where you can, you know, that consists of a protein that is essentially called CAS, CAS9, CAS whatever, number of different CASs, a CAS protein. And this provides an activity, okay, that can be brought to any site in the genome through a guide RNA, a small guide RNA, this provides the DNA sequence specificity, okay? So remember, you have your DNA is made of CTAG, your four bases in your genome. And so, you know, if you put those up, you know, 18 of those in a row, you have, you know, four to the 18th um, level of specificity. You can very, very specifically guide um, this guide RNA um, by, you know, to a site in the genome, and it will bring with it the cas protein. Now, this cas protein can do any number of things. The traditional, the original function was to cut DNA. Okay, it actually is going to um, break the double strand of DNA, double strand break, and this is normally would then you know destroy the sequence. That's traditional cas, and that's kind of kind of um, CRISPR editing is one of the things about that. Now, when you do that, you could in the lab put in. Um, a new sequence. Use that double strand break and some special um, cellular um, repair mechanisms that are present in certain types of cells called homology um, mediated repair and um, uh, change a DNA sequence. This is kind of your designer baby stuff. That's actually really hard, really inefficient. That's not what we're talking about. So typical CRISPR editing is just cutting the double strand DNA. Okay. And often what happens when you cut that double strand DNA is uh, you basically either add or lose a little bit of sequence when your genome repairs itself, and that changes the sequence, okay, of the of the region that was cut. Okay. Now, in FSHD, what do we do? Well, in FSHD, we use CRISPR inhibition. In this case, we use something called dead cas. So we kill the editing capability of the cas protein with a couple mutations. So it still gets guided to a sequence. Now we're going to use an sgRNA that's going to guide you to the FSHD region, the DUX4 gene, and it's going to bring in the, the cas protein. And this cas protein, though, instead of cutting, typically an FSHD brings in an off switch, okay? Um, we, you remember FSHD is dominant gain of function where you express um, the DUX4 gene and you, when you don't want to. So what we're going to do, is it's on, we're going to bring in a transcriptional repressor for the Cas protein. Cas protein fused to an off switch that's going to shut off the DUX4 gene. Okay, that's what um, my company Renogenics does. And for all intents and purposes, that's what um, Epic Bio is doing as well. They're trying to shut off the region using a dead Cas to bring it in. But you can do whatever you want. You know, a, a guide RNA, basically that's all CRISPR is. It's a very specific targeting um, through the guide RNA of an activity that is um, fused to the Cas protein. This can be any activity you want. You can be an on switch. You can turn on genes. 
Um, you can it can be a fluorescent sort of signal, and so you can see the genome fluorescently and how it moves. A lot of cool stuff you can do. Um, tag the genome, whatever. Okay, so that's kind of CRISPR in a nutshell. It's a, it's a very highly specific um, guidance system for an activity to any site in the genome. So uh, what's going on in the Vertex uh, trial? So, you know, this is FDA-approved Kesgevi in, um, in uh, early December, a UK in mid-November for sickle cell disease. This is actually a CRISPR cutting, CRISPR editing um, gene therapy, except... This is actually done in cells that are taken from the patient's body, fixed in the lab, and then put back, okay? So this is going to be different than FSHD. In FSHD, we can't take all your skeletal muscles out. <laughs> We're going to have to do yours in vivo. In FSHD, it will be a systemic in vivo CRISPR therapy. But in sickle cell, it is an ex vivo therapy. So this was done in the lab. But it makes perfect sense that this would be the first type of CRISPR therapy that's approved. It's still CRISPR. It's still in human cells, still clinically relevant, and still getting ultimately getting back into people. Okay. But it's ex vivo. Okay. So what's, what's the deal? Well, in sickle cell, in case you guys aren't, aren't up on it. So in sickle cell disease, patients have a mutated beta globin gene. Okay. So the beta globin gene is expressed in adults and it's not going to get your hemoglobin, okay? And then sickle cell, if you have a mutated beta globin gene, it just doesn't function that well, okay? And this causes your problems, and you get screwed up red blood cells, and you're just, you know, it's just, you know, they're not working well. So it turns out, so so one one initially might think, oh, let's use CRISPR to fix the mutated beta globin gene. That's actually not what they're doing. You know why? Because that's incredibly hard. In fact, that, this is kind of a great example of how hard it is to edit specifically edit a sequence really in the human genome at an efficient enough level that it's actually therapeutically relevant. I'm sure in the lab they can fix the mutated beta globin gene and some um, percentage of cells are fixed, but it's just not, you know, you just, it's not good enough. So this is where it's kind of talk about clinically relevant technology or path to clinic, right? Fixing the beta globin gene yeah, again, you can get a paper, write grants, um, graduate a student. There's not really not a path to clinic on that right now. That's a tough, that's a tough thing to do because of a, the inefficiency of actually changing the sequence of a gene to what you want. Um, you know, um, for a number of technical regions. So what do they do? Well, very, very clever. Okay, it turns out that when you were a fetus, you actually have a fetal hemoglobin gene that is on in the fetus and off in adults. So their idea is to, hey, we got this normal <laughs> functional fetal hemoglobin gene. It just happens to be off. Let's turn it on in adults. Okay, so that's what they're going to do. So how are you going to turn on? Well, number of ways you could do it. Um, what they decided to do is use some um, basic research that was um, performed by uh, Dr. Vijay Sankaran, um, who you know asked the question, why is the fetal hemoglobin gene off? Or what is the mechanism for shutting off fetal hemoglobin? Okay, basic research question, okay. And what he figured out is there's a gene called BCL11A, okay, and this is a repressor, okay. And this gene gets turned on in um, erythroid cells, okay, your blood precursors. And when this is on, it binds the fetal 
hemoglobin gene and shuts it off. Okay. So he figured out, well, why is this gene on? And he found that there's a specific enhancer. So he found the on signal for this gene. So you're turning on a repressor that will then turn off fetal hemoglobin in adults. That's the mechanism. So what they decided, what the Vertex decided to do with their CRISPR with cutting was to target the on signal for the BCL11A gene. So this very specific enhancer element, it'll send a signal that says, turn me on. And they, they cut it with their CRISPR editing machine targeting, you know, the, the guide RNA is going to target the enhancer. You get a double strand break. It gets fixed and sequences added or removed. You get these things called indels, which is, means insertions and deletions. You destroy the enhancer. And so now the BCL11A gene is not on. So since that is now not on, that's a repressor. You've lost the repressor of fetal hemoglobin. And so the fetal hemoglobin gene is now on in adult cells. Okay. So, you know, so think about that. Okay. So to... You're not fixing the beta globin gene. What you're going to do is you're going to express another hemoglobin gene that's going to compensate for the mutated beta globin gene. And this is how you're going to cure um, sickle cell. And you're going to do this by knocking out a repressor of um, fetal hemoglobin. And that's and it works. It works fantastic. In fact, actually, the quote from Dr. Sankarin was, this experience underscores a critical lesson, the indispensable role of fundamental discovery science. Without such studies, many of these pivotal advances would remain beyond our reach. I mean, just think about that. Think if nobody, if the, you know, if nobody cared, nobody wanted to fund this question, you know, why, why is the gene off? Why is fetal hemoglobin off? Who cares? Well, you know, I'm glad that uh, Dr. Sankaran cared because, you know, figured out the mechanism. And when the CRISPR technology came along, they were able then to use, you know, his mechanism of action an understanding of how this gene is regulated in order to turn it into um, an, an amazing gene therapy for sickle cell. Okay. And so, you know, we often talk about, again, path to clinic. Path to clinic doesn't mean, you know, ignore basic research. I'm a huge fan of basic research. We do a lot of basic research in our lab. We, you know, in FSHD, we still don't really know what causes, you know, ultimately FSHD, what causes your muscle pathology. We know that the epigenetic dysregulation of chromosome 4Q35 leads to the aberrant upregulation and expression of DUX4, but how does that lead to pathology? We know a lot of things happen in the lab and a lot of things can be seen ultimately in muscle pathology, but you know, there's a lot of black box there, <laughs> big black box of how exactly does DUX4 um, lead to um, FSHD. And so, but, and yet I'm hearing that some foundations want to abandon basic research um, and just, just focus so much on the clinic. What if Doug's is not the best target? It's, it's a great target, but you know, I mean, you just never know. Wouldn't more targets be better? Maybe there's other things out there. You know, it's, it's a, you know, we think about, you know, FSHD expression of Doug's force starts a ball rolling. Well, I'd sure like to know what that ball rolling downhill is doing because, you know, that's causing pathology. Maybe these may, you know, what, what if, the amplification of this is, needs to be stopped as well. There's just so much basic science that we still need to know in FSHD. That would just, it's just foolish to think of um, uh, people shutting down um, basic research programs. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, because you have heard me mention that my lab really does like to focus on uh, path to clinic. We're focusing our therapeutic approaches 
on things that have a path to clinic, okay? What I do see in the field is some people claiming, uh, claiming to do therapeutic approaches um, that really don't have a path to clinic. To me, that's a waste of time. And then you might, some of those examples might be to um, do CRISPR editing of the D4-Z4, cutting the D4-Z4. That's a disaster in FSHD for a number of reasons, because you have thousands of D4-Z4s on the genome, it's just not going to work. Or other therapeutic approaches are targeting the ducts for expressing cells to kill them. Sounds great. Hey, let's kill all the cells that express DUX4, except that cells are constantly going from not expressing to expressing. That actually would speed up FSHD. I heard somebody actually talk about that approach the other day. Like, that'll make FSHD worse, faster. No path to clinic. <clears throat> okay, so basic research is good. Therapeutic research, make sure you got a path to clinic. All right, so the Vertex Therapies actually got this path to clinic. They're going to take the cells out. They're going to cut the um, BCL11A enhancer, destroy it, express fetal hemoglobin, put the, they can actually make sure that the cells are correct and then they can put them back in somebody and now you don't have sickle cell. So that's really cool. So what now, so this is all great. What's gonna be different than FSHD? Okay, in FSHD, we're gonna to need to treat your muscle cells in your body. Okay, so what are the caveats for this therapy? So we're very excited, but it doesn't mean that we're ready to inject people systemically for FSHD. So what are the caveats? So um, because it's ex vivo, there's no immune response to the Cas9 protein. It's actually only expressed, you know, it's, it's expressed in a very short amount of time. Um, it, it's expressed, you make Cas9, you cut the erythroid enhancer, then it's gone. Okay, so and this is so there's no chance for the immune system to see the Cas9 protein. There's no concerns about targeting the correct cells. All the cells in the culture are the correct cells. Although you take out the correct cells, you, you, you treat them with the CRISPR and you put them back. Okay, in FSHD, we got to make sure we target, you know, a systemic application of CRISPR or any gene therapy. It's, it's a potential to affect any cells in your body. We got to make sure that we get it into your correct cells, your skeletal muscle cells, enough of it into the correct cells. But also the second part, make sure that, you know, we, we, <laughs> we don't have it targeting the incorrect cells. Now, it may or may not matter if it gets into the wrong cells. You want ducts for off in all the cells, but there are other caveats about that. You know, skeletal muscle does not express well to the immune system. Um, some of your other cells do. You know, maybe you don't want to be expressing Cas9 in your spleen, you know, or some of your dendritic cells or some other cells that express to the immune system could generate an auto uh, immune response against your muscle cells, right? So, you know, targeting the correct cells and, you know, not having expression in the incorrect cells, you know, that, that just wasn't a concern for this um, vertex therapy, but in FSHD, those will be concerns. Okay. It's not going to be nearly as expensive to deliver either. It's ex vivo, right? You only still, you still, it's CRISPR therapy, it's gene therapy, but it's being done in the lab and being put back in. It's a much, much lower cost. Okay. Also, um, the efficiency can be much lower. Okay. Adding back fetal hemoglobin to cells that are, only have a, a mutated or non-functional really beta globin, then that cures, that takes care of it. You're adding back something that's needed. Okay, same thing for Duchenne muscular dystrophy or a lot of the LGMDs. You're adding back something that's missing. And so adding back a little bit of something you need actually has tremendous therapeutic benefit. In FSHD, it's the opposite, remember. We gotta take away the Dux4 protein, take away Dux4. So adding back 10% of something that's missing, that, that's actually therapeutic. Taking away 10% of something that's bad, it's still pretty bad. Okay, so we need more efficiency in FSHD. Okay, it's a different, it's just a very different, you know, turns it on its head a little bit. 
um, there's going to be less time in the hospital, um, some oncogenic transformation still possible. But overall, um, we go to great lengths uh, to make sure that our CRISPR inhibition therapy, at least from renogenics, um, is very specific and isn't going to have adverse side effects. Now, if you're doing it in a culture dish in the lab, you can actually check some of that. Make sure the cells are pretty good. And there's still always a risk, but you know, in general, you can be pretty pretty confident that you've fixed the problem and putting putting fixed cells back. Um, so a lot of these things, you know, are not applicable to um, to the sickle cell thing, where there are going to be concerns for FSHD. It just means, you know, now when I say, you know, I'm not being, I'm not trying to rain on the parade or anything, but I'm just saying it just means just a little bit harder. Don't we're not idiots. We know all of this. And we're taking care of all these things one by one, but this is why it takes a little longer, right? We're going to have to worry about and deal with a potential immune response to the Cas9 protein that is going to be, you know, our Cas9 repression machinery for CRISPR inhibition that's going to shut down the Dux4 gene. Well, you know, we're not sure how your immune system is going to deal with that. And we only want it expressed in skeletal muscle cells. And so we're also being extremely careful to make sure we have, um, gene ex regulatory expression cassettes that only express in skeletal muscle. Then you have to deliver it throughout your system, you know, throughout your body. So we're, we're being very careful to make sure that the viruses that we're going to use to deliver this systemically to you really primarily um, and predominantly affect, infect um, your skeletal muscle cells. Of course, some of it's always going to go to the liver and kidney and these other cells. You know, we're going to hopefully they won't be on, but you know, this comes down to cost and safety. These are just additional concerns we have with FSHE, so it takes a little bit longer. But you know what? We can solve all these problems. In fact, we are solving all these problems, okay? Um, cost, well, hopefully cost is going to be a problem, but, you know, people get upset about a million-dollar therapy. Well, what if what if we found out that some of these small-molecule drugs that are being proposed, what if those were $50,000 a year, which they might be? Well, in 20 years, you got a million-dollar drug there. Well, now all of a sudden, a million-dollar gene therapy isn't, uh, isn't cost-ineffective, right? We'll see. I think I think we might be surprised. Yeah, I think a pill is going to be cheap. We haven't taken pills for some of these other rare diseases. I got to tell you, I've seen the bills that my my parents got for um, um, Parkinson's drugs and such. You know, these small molecules can be very expensive too. And you know, also anything that's administered multiple times, these antisense drugs, we really don't know how much they're going to cost or how often they'll need to be administered. So cost, you know, that's going to be a concern for every modality in FSHD. Okay, so, but anyway, it's really fantastic news. This um, Vertex uh, was able to get this um, CRISPR therapy approved for sickle cell disease. That is great news for the FSHD field gene therapy because, you know, you know, the FDA is always, you know, they're, they're very cautious about um, new technology as they should be. And so, you know, now they're, they're, now they're comfortable enough to allow CRISPR, at least CRISPR modified cells be put into a person. The next step, you know, and, and this is important because there was a CRISPR therapy um, at the end of one trial um, in Duchenne where the single subject that got that gene therapy died, okay? They didn't die from the CRISPR. They died from the viral infection, okay? And you know what? Honestly, they were going to die from the Duchenne muscular dystrophy in a couple of years anyway. So, you know, and I don't want to – it's it's different when you're dealing with a fatal disease and different – a bar of risk that you're willing to accept, but that is the downside to some of these things, right? Death can be the downside to some of these things. And so we are being very careful to mitigate these um, effects um, and make sure that gene therapy, um, gene ther honestly, gene therapy in the myotubular myopathy trials had several deaths as well. 
these are kids, but that was again because their kids, um, their livers just are not up to snuff. Um, you're going to have a healthy liver. I don't want to scare anybody, but I'm just saying, you know, there's there's a reason we're not sending out syringes to people that are asking me to send them out syringes for our, our gene therapy, right? And that self-medicate, right? It is really, um, you know, there's there's a lot of risk, but there's also a lot of benefit and we're going to mitigate all of these risks. And it's fantastic that the FDA now is, is our is approved this. That we've already seen now that CRISPR a CRISPR therapy can actually be used successfully in people, and it's just another step in the path. Is we're going to get there. You're going to find 2024. There very may very well be one, maybe two, possibly three gene therapy clinical trials for FSHD. Okay, so I'm not just I'm not just saying hey we're working on all. I mean we as the field. We're knocking down all of these concerns, and um, and uh, it's coming to clinic, coming to a clinic near you. Okay, FSHD gene therapy is coming. Great news, but you know we still got a, few, a couple of hurdles to go, but they, we're getting there. All right. Well, you know what? I know that you know. Uh, I love you know. I really do appreciate y'all sending me emails telling me that you're asking about podcasts. We're going to go and, and the encouraging words saying that you actually learned something. I'm worried always that you don't. So. I got a really cool gift for um, uh, this Christmas um, from uh, Takako, uh, <laughs> a Sony Walkman. Yes, for cassette tapes that actually, and you plug it in and it ends up going into my computer and it's taking my cassette tapes and digitizing them into MP3s. Oh my God. Oh yeah. I don't know. I may not have to get anything done in lab again for the next, uh, you know, <laughs> two months as I, cause I, have, you know, several hundred cassette tapes I need to transfer. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm going to prioritize. First one I did, though, got to tell you, Flesh for Lulu, 1987, Long Live the New Flesh. And this song, I know, you know, um, I go crazy when I'm without you. Classic 80s. I hope you enjoy it. And we'll be back and talk about your DNA methylation machinery in a second. Jets fly over, a car goes by. 
All right, I gotta tell you, you gotta check out Flesh for Lulu. That you know, people talk about one hit wonders, man. There may be one album wonder. I mean, that's 11 songs on that album, and I got every single one Postcards from Paradise, Crazy, um, Sleeping Dogs. My it, it, anyway, it's a fantastic that, but that was um, I Go Crazy, you know, and you gotta have that on your mixtape. You're making it for your lady, put that, put that on the mixtape, and you guarantee you that was on the um peter loves tracy mixtape of 1987 i'm pretty sure it also made the peter still loves tracy mixtape um the makeup mixtape from uh 1989 both of which were destroyed (laughs) in fits of rage as happens with teenagers anyway so um uh Now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, DNA methylation. So I've been getting a lot of emails from people saying, hey, you know, I've always gotten this. Can I take folic acid to boost my DNA methylation? And maybe this will shut down the Dux4 gene since, you know, my FSHD testing is DNA methylation testing. And, you know, the FSHD region in people um, without FSHD is off and heavily methylated. The DNA is methylated. And, of course, this methylation machinery, the methyl group ultimately comes from from um, folic acid and, and such. So the, the thought is, well, if I just pound folic acid, eat more folic acid, maybe I can methylate parts of the genome. That's not how it works, folks. <laughs> okay, that's not how it works. Um, your methylation, your DNA methylation um, patterns are established very early in embryonic development when you were a few thousand cells old and you are what you are. Now, it is true that over your lifetime, uh, general methylation of the genome goes down. And we did think at one time that might be why FSHD's late onset. Maybe you're born with high methylation and it gets lower over your lifetime, and then eventually you hit a threshold and you express Dux4. That is not the case. Turns out that's not the case. We have done... Um, DNA methylation analysis of individuals on DNAs that have been taken more than 30 years apart from the same individual, methylation is the same. So while overall global DNA methylation does change as you age, and this is one of the ways that people in these companies that want to, you know, what is your true age, your true biological age, one of the things they look at um, is your general DNA methylation. That's just general, you know, your genome is 3 billion bases of DNA, 1% of that is methylated, and so that's a lot of bases of DNA that are methylated, and as you age, that can change. And some parts of the genome can change due to activities. The epigenome is responsive to the environment. For example, exercise can change the methylation state um, of some genes so that you can be very readily turned on um, um, with exercise. Uh, I'm not sure if that's published yet or not, but <laughs> I can't remember. That's some papers that I, I reviewed. Really cool stuff. But again, not the FSHD region. Remember, the FSHD region, the D4Z4 repeat, is actually a retrotransposon. It's a, it's a retrovirus. These are, this is an invasive sequence of the old world primate sequence, okay? And then it's amplified. So this is, you know, this, this is actually, um, you know, something that is specifically targeted for repression um, in your genome. And uh, and so, so 
it, it doesn't change um, over your, your lifetime. And it doesn't change in response to nutrition. And it doesn't change in response to uh, supplements. Okay. So, so why are people contacting me? Well, because, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I, I looked online. <laughs> Some um, I like to thank those of you who have emailed me. I always, I'm always want to know what's going on out there. Cause I suddenly made sense. Um, that, uh, you know, these, uh, there's uh, some companies, they want to sequence your methylation genes, okay? Well, it is true that you have a number of genes. You know, the most common one people talk about is MTHFR um, gene, which is mutated in half the human population, quite honestly. And this could be a modifier for FSHD because if this is part of your methylating machinery for methylating um, proteins or methylating DNA, uh, and it's mutated, well, maybe you're not as good at it. Maybe you're not as efficient. And so maybe supplementing um, can be beneficial. Well, yes and no. In respect to FSHD and the Dux4 gene and the DNA methylation, it isn't going to matter. If, if you had mutations in these genes, some of these genes, that could explain why perhaps you might be more severe than a sibling or a sibling might be more severe than you or a parent or a child, right? These could be modifiers of severity, but the action happened when you were an embryo, okay? Now you could find now, and we actually, in my lab, we do now sequence for some of these genes and uh, because we're curious. We, we, I hear a lot of times that people have are known to have mutations in these genes and we think that this could be a modifier of severity. I'm sure someone else will publish on it before we do because we just don't publish a whole lot. I'm just busy doing other stuff, but I'll tell you about it. Um, but so so why does methylation supplementation make people feel better? Well, remember, there's the, there's also protein methylation, right? So so proteins can also be methylated, and this can affect their function, their localization, their stability. So so overall, you know, biological methylation is incredibly important. Okay, so it's not just DNA methylation. Now, the FSHD part is DNA methylation. Not going to change. But the protein methylation, you know, this gets back to, um, I think, some of, you know, we talk about with nutrition and supplements and, and such. You know, if you have mutations in some of these genes and your protein methylation is not as functional as, you know, it could be, um, Potentially, some of these um, supplements could help, but that's independent of the FSHD. This is more like, you know, sure you got FSHD, but not, you know, you can, what can you do? You can tune your body, and you can be as healthy as you can be, despite the fact that you have FSHD. You know, you can be like me. I was the healthiest guy in the cancer clinic. <laughs> they go, wow, you know, never had someone so healthy in the cancer. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how <laughs> is the play, right? But I mean, you, you, what you but but you can do that, right? The idea is the same thing with protein supplementation. All of the supplementation that um, we talk about that can be beneficial and helpful for people with FSHD. It's not changing your D4Z4 state, and you know now some people think that it's affecting FDUX4 activity. There's no evidence for that, uh, but you know, remember when you have FSHD, you have a lot of healthy cells. They're all genetically FSHD, unless you're mosaic. A lot of healthy cells to go with um, your phenotypically FSHD muscle. And so let's, you know, maximize your healthy muscle. And this would be the same sort of thing. You know, you're going to, you know, give your, give your body a tune-up. So, so I understand why some people are telling me, wow, I feel, you know, they feel better taking some of these. Now, it's not going to be for anybody, you know, everybody. I, I suppose if, you, if you're already tuned up, you know, then you're running fine. But, you know, the question of 
will methylation supplementations um, uh, impact the actual FSHD? Um, and so all the evidence I'm aware of, the answer is no. I don't know of any evidence, any scientific evidence that says it will affect your FSHD. could make you feel better independent of your FSHD. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but that's why we don't um, prescribe any. Well, we don't prescribe anything. We're not medical doctors, but that's why we don't um, recommend anything. And if you want to go ahead and get your methylation genes sequenced, I don't know. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really, honestly, I don't see a lot of value in that. Uh, you know, scientifically, the value is for us, you know, they might be modifiers that, you know, might give us some insight, but, uh, but whatever it's, um, you know, those are, I don't want to get down that road of, uh, what you may or may not be able to do, um, for your general health supplementation, you know, maybe ask Tamara, ask Tamara, pose it as a question in the FSHD nutrition supplements and peer support group. Hey, how do people feel about, you know, protein supplementation or methylation supplementation, for their general health um, and also for I'm looking at these uh, specific mutations in these genes that might run in your family. Yeah, I'd be kind of curious. Hey, if you find any, let me know. <laughs> I put them into our study. It'd be important for us to know. But um, I just want to be clear that um, these, none of these supplements uh, are going to, at this stage um, are going to, of, of your life, are going to affect you. Now, all the data that's out there on nutritional supplements for epigenetic modulation and DNA methylation that was all done in mouse studies and the effects were done on the fetus, right? On the mouse that was in the, you know, in the uterus, right? They fed the mom, you know, before birth. Um, and that's where the, that's where you can modify the epigenome with these supplements. Okay. After birth, it's pretty well set. Okay. And so um, that's just how it is, but you know what? This is why we're using our CRISPR inhibition. You know, it's still epigenetic. It is possible. Maybe if we put a monster off switch on this genome, maybe we can actually flip this, you know, flip the epigenetic switch and turn it off. But that's going to be kind of like a artificial intervention. And I know with Epic Bio, what they're trying to do is put the methylation on as well. Now, you know, should mention the issue that the DNA methylation correlates with genes that are off doesn't actually turn the genes off. Okay. Genes that are off can become methylated. And this happens over the course of your lifetime, right? Genes that, you know, that is actually, you know, developmentally some genes that have become, you know, genes can be on, you have differential methylation in different tissues, right? Genes that are in tissues where they're off, they're methylated, tissues where they're on, they're unmethylated. So there, you know, methylation still, you know, it can change, but it's very, locus specific, gene specific in, you know, in your genome. Um, typically, again, genes that are programmed off often become methylated. And so that was kind of our idea with CRISPR inhibition, tying back to the prior, before the song. Um, if you shut off the Dux4 gene actively and recruit active repression to the region, I believe it could become methylated. Again, it's going to be artificial. Um, Epic Bio is just trying to put the methyl group on with the DNA methyltransferase. Not entirely sure that's going to mean it gets turned off, but we'll see. They also have a crab transcriptional repressor on their construct they don't talk about. I think it's probably possible they're just doing CRISPR inhibition, same as us, not much different. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, that's something we are looking at. Can we remethylate the 
region, but again, that's through a targeted recruitment, not through nutrition, not through supplements. And that, um, so anyway, so those of you who are asking, I appreciate you bringing it up. Um, methylation is incredibly important, but as far as we are, it's, a, you know, you were born that way. <laughs> you are born how you were. And, um, you know, the less methylation you have, it tends to correlate with an earlier onset and um, a higher severity. The more methylation you have, the later the onset, the less severity. Those are general correlations we find in families. There's always a few exceptions, but in general, that's how it is. And that's, um, but, but it runs in families. Be careful about um, comparing your methylation levels on Facebook or with other people outside of your family. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's what we got for today. Um, I'm gonna, you know, we got, uh, got to do my last minute shopping. I still haven't come on. I don't know. You know what I'm going to do? Actually, I'm, I got to tell you one more thing on Peter's list. So, so we know we have, um, CRISPR evolution by Chris Jones. You got, um, which one are you, um, by Jill Jackson, Jan Bunker, and you have the, um, the biological prisoner and from slavery to freedom from, um, OPME Anthony has our three book recommendations. Uh, you know, actually, check out a website called despair.com, D-E-S-P-A-I-R.com. If you think these motivational posters, I've got to tell you, when I walk into a pharma company or a biotech company, I see motivational posters all over the wall. I know they're just full of it. Um, <laughs> we, we actually have demotivator posters in our lab just to make fun of it. So despair.com are demotivators. They're funny as hell. I love them, um, and then maybe I'll pick out a calendar from there. Um, check it out. Really fun website. Definitely on Peter's list. And you know what? If you're going to do your year-end giving, don't forget the great supporters of my FSHD and the great supporters um, of that I consider the great supporters of FSHD research. You know, that's that's uh, the Chris Carino Foundation, um, the FSHD Global Research Foundation in Australia and New Zealand, FSHD Canada with Neil Kamara, absolutely the best. FSHD UK, I don't talk about them much. They mainly fund in the UK, but Raj runs that. Great organization. I've just started gave a presentation to them. Um, Friends of FSH in Seattle, you know, they got their event coming up in February. Check it out online. Great um, organization to work with. You know, my favorite foundation is the Ducks Foundation that takes care of our, the, you know, the most effective FSHD kids in France. There's a me FSH. I'm actually on the SAB. That's a, the research foundation um, in France as well for FSHD. A brave few in Brazil. Definitely want, you know, if you're down, <laughs> you know, every, every country's got an organization. You know, I know there's one in Spain. There's some um, in the Netherlands, a lot of these. Um, most of them fund locally in their research. But you know what? We still need research. Don't forget about it. We still need research in FSHD, basic research. A lot of, lot of people are working towards clinic. We do have some great paths to clinic. We're going to get there, and then we're going to get there better. We're also going to build up some muscle, right? We're going to build, um, we got some exciting stuff coming up in the new year that we'll talk about. Um, and I got it. Well, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> Not everything. Well, never mind. Um, there's some cool stuff with muscle building um, that will be coming up. Maybe not what is out there on the websites. Um, they don't seem to know what they're talking about. You know who you know who you are. Um, but I'll, I will straighten that out in the new year. In the meantime, um, as I mentioned, uh, you know, belated Happy Hanukkah, a Merry Christmas, um, and a Happy New Year to absolutely everybody. And um, you know what? We will be back one more time though. We'll be back with the Pig Podcast. Meantime, take care and uh, catch you later. Thank you for listening to the MyFSHD Podcast, where we share with you the latest news and information on FSHD as we strive for a cure. Do you have a question for Peter? 
He'd love to hear from you. You can reach him at peterjones at med.unr.edu. Thank you for listening and join us again next time for more news and information.